We're so fortunate to have these musicians and Megan leading them. It's really amazing. Okay. Yeah. First time father-son duo on guitar and bass. So, <clears throat> I'm Joe Davis. I'm one of the pastors here. We're continuing with Psalm 119. No complaints, please. Week 19, um, Hebrew letter Kof. This lesson, the message is called Hope When Times Get Dark. I'm going to prep you ahead of time. This one is going to be a little more raw than some of the other ones. There's going to be some uh, uncomfortable vulnerability for me uh, that might make some of you uncomfortable. But I feel like if we're really going to stay true to the idea that this series is called Open Heart Surgery, this is the week to do it. So what I want you to do, um, click that forward for me. It's not quite working yet. Check on that for me. Um, and go to the next slide once it's working. Um, think back in the times of your life that were the most painful moments. I mean, the reasons could be multiple. It could be betrayal. Maybe personal failure. Maybe you experienced a natural disaster. An illness. Whatever it is your darkest moment was. During the deepest, darkest part of your pain, where did your heart run? What were the things your mind gravitated to? Could you imagine if the first place your heart had run through all those times, throughout your whole life, it was the word of God? What happens today in this 19th song of this album called Psalm 119 with 22 songs, the song number 19, what the psalmist does is express his passion for God's word in the absolute horrible worst moments of his existence. That's what we're talking about today. And I know that I'm asking some of you as I even talk about it, I know some of your minds are gravitating toward those worst parts of your life. And, and I mean this, I'm sorry if it brings up uncomfortable pain for you. I, I really am. I know when I was writing the sermon this week, it was uncomfortable for me. But the psalmist did it. So if he can, so can we. Let's look at the passage. Verses 145 that's wrong. It's 145 to 153, I think. I left off. 152, I left off the two there. <clears throat> With my whole heart, I cry. Let's just stop there for a moment. You ever felt that way? Answer me, O Lord. I will keep your statutes. I call to you. Save me that I may observe your testimonies. He says, save me so I can follow your word. Interesting. I rise before dawn and cry for help. I hope in your words. My eyes are awake before the watches of night. Team no sleep. <laughs> that I may meditate on your promises. Hear my voice according to your steadfast love, O Lord. 
According to your justice, give me life. They draw near who persecute me with evil purpose. They are far from your law, but you are near, O Lord, and all your commandments are true. Long have I known from your testimonies that you have founded them forever. Let's look at the history of this passage, David's dark times. The first word that I want to look at, the Hebrew word, is kara. It's a double meaning. This is the most amazing poetry, this song. And you have to understand that I've taught you in Hebrew language, when the, when the author wants to really express an emotion, he'll use two similar words to express the same thing. What the psalmist does here, the only time in Psalm 119 he does this, he uses the exact same word twice. And he uses a word that has two meanings. It's wild. It is so deep and so artistically complex. I want you to understand the beauty of it. The first word has a double meaning. It means to encounter a painful experience without warning and unsolicited. He says, I didn't ask for this. I didn't see it coming. And it just ran me over like a semi-truck. The second meaning, to call out violently as if you were accosting someone, like you were screaming at someone because you were angry with them. He says in this word, I've encountered a painful experience without warning and unsolicited. Therefore, I'm screaming at you, God. That's all he means with that one word, I call. Isn't that wild? He says, I'm experiencing ridiculous pain that I didn't ask for, and I'm yelling at you about it, God. That's deep. The second word is anah. He says, I call and cry. That's the word kara. Then he has another word, to heed, to pay attention, to respond specifically, to sing, to shout, to testify, announce. This is the reaction, the result he wants from God. He says, I've gone through a ridiculous pain. I'm, I'm accosting you with my words, God. I'm screaming at you, and this is what I'd like for you to do. <laughs> Pay attention, respond. And then the next word, Yasha. This is the other thing he wants God to do. The first time he says, I'm going through a hard time, and I'm accosting you is, I want you to pay attention. The second time, he says, I want you to save me. To be free, to be safe, to avenge or defend, to preserve, to rescue, to be given a victory. God, this sucks. I'm angry. I'm screaming at you about it. And here, oh, heavenly dad, the father of the universe, creator of the world, you better listen. <laughs> oh, and by the way, save me. Note the response that the psalmist promises in response to God hearing him and saving him. He says, my response when you do that is even in the midst of the darkest time, I'll keep your testimonies. I will embrace and follow the word of God. He wants relief from his horrible pain so that he can remove, get this, what is distracting him from obedience. You follow that? He says, God, please take this pain from me. 
Rescue me, save me, give me your attention so that I can turn my attention back to hearing your word. He wants relief so that he can be obedient, so that he can live in gratitude to what God has done for him, so that he can remember he's been clothed in righteousness, the redemption, all of that. God, this horrible thing that I didn't ask for is distracting me. So I'm screaming at you. You better hear me. Please save me because I want to get back to living in gratitude. See, before you can understand the emotion of this verse, this chorus, remember what I taught you? The first couple verses of every psalm in Psalm 119 is the chorus that's designed to be repeated through the other verses. So he wants this one sung about four times in this song. Before you can understand the nature of the passion and emotion in this, you got to understand some history about David. I'm going to give you some instances in the background of some of his most famous songs in the book of Psalms that David relied upon and his word when times were dark. Ready? Psalm 3. You know when that was? When his son tried to kill him. That's pretty rough, isn't it? Your son is chasing you down with an army and wants to destroy you. That's pretty painful. Psalm 7 is when David was mocked in public by people who were siding with other people in the kingdom that wanted to take David down. And they saw him, they would spit on him, mock him. The king, who at this point was being isolated, mocked in public. Psalm 7. By the way, how do I know this? Because it says in the beginning of the titles, a psalm of David when his son was trying to kill him. <laughs> psalm 7, when David was mocked in public. Psalm 34, when he acted like an insane man in front of a pagan king so he could escape being killed. It actually says that. He writes a psalm of David when he was acting like an insane man. Psalm 51 when he was confronted by Nathan about his adultery with Bathsheba and his murder of her husband, Uriah. Well, that's, that's a dark moment, isn't it? That's pretty dark. You're a murderer and an adulterer. Psalm 52, when he was betrayed by Doeg, a ridiculous, the scripture says he was a nasty man. Smelled, long hair, disgusting. No offense to those who have long hair. <laughs> they had no conditioner back then, you understand. <laughs> And Doeg went to Saul and said, hey, Saul, this guy, David, you're trying to kill. He's right here right now. And David had trusted Doeg and Doeg went behind his back. When the Ziphites sold him out, he tried to run and hide in another country. And the king of that country said, Saul, I'll tell you where he is if you give us some money. When the Philistines captured him, by the way, you understand the Philistines hated him because of the whole Goliath thing. That big victory. They didn't like him at all. It's like me and my feelings for Tom Brady. <laughs> Dylan. Psalm 57, when David was hiding in a disgusting, filthy cave to keep away from Saul, who was trying to kill him. Can you imagine how low he felt then? Psalm 59, when Saul sent men, a whole army, to pursue David into the wilderness to kill him. He wrote Psalm 59. Psalm 63, he was hiding in the woods all by himself. Psalm 63, oh God, 
You are my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsts for thee. My flesh longs for thee as though I were in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. That's what he wrote when he was hiding in the woods. By the way, woods, not the right term. Wilderness, desert. That's where he was. Psalm 102 is a prayer when he was being afflicted. Don't know the details. It just says a Psalm of David when he was afflicted. I don't know what it was, but he was being afflicted. Psalm 140, a prayer of deliverance. I don't know what he needed delivery from, but it says a Psalm of David when he was praying for deliverance. It must have been bad. He wrote a song about it. All these dark times. It's like he's Kurt Cobain or something. I don't know. <laughs> Psalm 142 is another psalm he wrote when he was hiding in a cave again. These are all examples in David's life of dark moments. And you know where he went? He went to moments with God that he remembered promises in the law, the Torah. And it inspired him so much he wrote a song. These moments impacted him so profoundly that some of his best songs were birthed from them. His connection to God and his word created these natural instincts that turned to God's truth. If you will, what I was saying a few weeks ago, in the darkest of times, the word was peaches and cream. His heart was broken, turned to God's word. When his heart was grieving, turned to God's word. When he faced his own guilt and sinfulness, he turned to God's word. And what David does is describes in the following verses examples of when his heart and mind would turn to God in these darkest times. The first one is team no sleep. He says in verse 147 and 148, you know what he says? I rise before dawn, I get up at three in the morning and I'm crying for help. I hope in your words. My eyes awake before the night watches. In other words, it's like 10 o'clock at night. I can't back, get back to sleep. All of us experienced those times, have we not? Where we were so burdened about something that we couldn't sleep. Maybe it was guilt. It's what it is for me a lot of times. Not always, just sometimes. Don't, don't let your imagination run. Maybe it's anxiety that makes you not able to sleep injustice. Maybe you don't think things are fair and you just can't stop grinding on it. You know what I'm talking about? The grind, the 2 a.m. grind. You know what I'm talking about? Maybe it's grief. Maybe the pain of loss is so great that you just can't get to sleep. We've all been there. David describes those times and how when he can't sleep because of the dark times, he thinks about promises. Isn't that cool? Another time when nobody was listening, verse 149, my heart, I or hear my voice according to your steadfast love, according to your justice, give me life. When David felt alone, when nobody was there for him, he would call out, cry out. This wasn't a religious reaction to loneliness. Do you understand that? It was an emotional, mall goth emo type reaction. <laughs> a natural migration of his heart to God and his word. He wasn't doing that as a pastor, as a scientist. He wasn't doing it as a mathematician. He wasn't doing it as anything other than 
an emotional creature who was a wreck and feeling alone. Another time that he would do this is when he felt evil was near. Verse 150 to 152. They draw near who persecute me with evil purpose. They are far from your law, but you are near, O Lord, and all your commandments are true. Long have I known from your testimonies that you have founded them forever. When David felt like he was cornered, when David felt like he was trapped, he rested in the knowledge that God was near and his word was reliable. This was a result of him learning God's promises and seeing them fulfilled time after time before the darkness, before the betrayal, before the loneliness. Knowing the promises of God had enabled him to see, knowing them beforehand had enabled him to see the times God's word had never failed him. And often in such dramatic fashion that this emotional, passionate man who was extremely flawed wrote many of the songs I referenced earlier that people had been preaching for generations. I've shared with many of you, I've read Psalm 51, you know, where the one he was confronted about David and Bathsheba. I've probably read that 4,000 times in my life. Every time I cut someone off on 41, Psalm 51. <laughs> Every time I'm mad at the Bucks for another missed field goal, an interception, Psalm 51. But, and seriously, so you, you understand what I'm saying. These, these songs have had a huge impact on so many people. So that's why I want to talk about light and darkness. This is a devotional. What about you? What are you supposed to do with this? I'm just going to tell you this right now. This is where it gets a little bit personal. The best times to fall in love with God's word are during the hardest times of our lives. It's crazy, isn't it? At the height of pain and sorrow, our experiences with God's word can be stunning and supernatural. Church, this is not theory. I have experienced it. And many of you have as well. As I approach the big 5-0 in a couple weeks, I'm starting to think a lot about my frailty, my mortality. And it occurred to me as I was reading this, my most precious times with God's word and with Heavenly Dad were amid the worst points of my life. And I can remember those passages more than all the others I've ever read or preached on. When I couldn't sleep. When nobody else would listen. When I felt evil was close by. And I figured if David was willing to name his and put him in the titles of the psalm that thousands of years would be there for people to read I figure I can too for your benefit I could name some of mine in hopes it encourages you like David's have encouraged me okay the first one is when I felt betrayal when I had a girlfriend and a best friend betray me That was painful. I ran to God. Psalm 55. 
I remember reading that thing over and over and over again when I was thinking about how could she do this? How could he do this? How could they break my heart? What? Psalm 55. And I remember reading it saying, God, please take the pain away so I can get back to focusing on your word. I mean, I was in Bible college when it happened. I'm trying to get ready for ministry. And all I can think about is this betrayal. You know, another time when I faced false accusations, Matthew 5, 10 and 11, when I was fired because somebody made false accusations against my character in the church that I was in. It was so hard to listen to these morons tell me how bad I, I'm just being honest with you. I'm accosting you like David did God. (laughs) To listen to these people talk about the things they said I did and I knew they weren't and I had evidence and nobody seemed to care. Matthew 5, 10 and 11. You can write them down and read them later if you want. They're in my journal. I remember I went back. False accusations. Unspeakable grief. When we lost our daughter, I ran to God's word. 1 Corinthians 9, 19 to 23. It became the theme of my ministry going forward. When I experienced rejection, Psalm 142. When my pastor didn't want me around and told me so four months after Sarah had died, he said, I don't want you here anymore. You're too much of a burden. That was, that was painful. I'm not exaggerating. Psalm 142. Man, that was, that was tough. I remember reading that passage like eight times a day. And then there was failure. Jeremiah 29 and 11. When Sarah's Cafe and the First Nightlife Center failed. Y'all, some of y'all remember Sarah's Cafe? That was hard. I felt like I let her memory down. I ran to God's word. Church, I have spent many times with God's word. But these are the ones I remember and cherish. I remember these passages. I remember what they, now understand what I say. I remember what they tasted like as I read them. I remember the specific truths that pacified my anxiety, my anger, my ambivalence, my sorrow, and my bitterness. These are my most precious journal entries. Not the ones when I got the job I wanted. Not the ones when we started Grace Life, but these right here. If I had been a prolific songwriter like David, I would have written songs about them, but instead, I wrote a bunch of sermons about them. Some of them good, some of them bad. But you know what I was doing in the midst of that? I was fulfilling what Paul wrote. Look what Paul says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. He comforts us in all our affliction so that we can comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. And where does that comfort come from? The word. Church, think about how the echoes of David's darkest times have been a comfort to so many. Your pastor being one of them. 
I'm so glad David's life was hard. No, I am. It's made mine bearable. But I wouldn't know it if I didn't spend time with God's word. And you won't either. I want to end with a quote. One of the greatest theologians. Well, maybe not, but he sure sounded like it. Incredibly gifted writer. Amazing communicator. Might be one of the most famous people to ever walk the face of the earth. Are you ready? William Shakespeare. Now God be praised that to believing souls gives light and darkness, comfort and despair. That's good, ain't it? Good job, Billy. (laughs) Your dark times. Uh, Let's say you haven't spent much time in the word at this point in your life. Trust me, there'll be other dark times. Get ready now. So that when they happen, your heart and mind will run to truth that won't let you down. Heavenly Dad, I'm so glad that your word is so powerful that if we take the time to spend with it, it makes our worst moments have a silver lining. The preciousness of our connection with you becomes more real in those times than it ever could when things are going great. Lord, help us to be prepared ahead of time by falling in love with your truth before times get dark. I pray for our church. God, I'm begging with you, please convince everyone to understand how important time with your word is so that when darkness comes, they will know where to run. A place of hope when times get dark. 